attention, please. This is The Drive with Josh Graham podcast. Tune into The Drive 3 until 6 p.m. weekdays on the Sports Hub. I love it. It's brilliant. I saw the new Aladdin last night, and I have some thoughts about that. But we'll get to that shortly. With tonight being Game 3 of the NBA Finals, I just want to remind you that the NBA has its championship all figured out. No other sport decides its champion better than the NBA does from marketing and interest perspectives. That's because the NBA is the only sport with multiple recognizable superstars playing on its biggest stage every single year. Last year, ESPN put out its top 100 most recognizable athletes in the country. Or actually, in the world, make it. Its top 100 athletes world list. The first NFL player you will find on that list is ranked number 38 in Tom Brady. In terms of how he's recognized in the world, there are a ton of soccer players in the top five. Neymar, Ronaldo, Lionel Messi. But I'm talking about just narrowing the scope to American culture. I don't think there's that many NFL players at the very top of the list. The draw of the NBA is such that familiar characters and storylines always creep into the championship in ways you don't get with other sports. We love college basketball around here, but when you have a tournament in which the format requires teams to win six games in a row in order to get to the championship game or win five in a row to get to the championship game, you're going to have large examples of randomness, randomness setting into your tournament, which means great teams are going to get knocked out. You're not always guaranteed stars at the end. Zion Williamson didn't make it to the Final Four because his Duke Blue Devils lost by a point in one game to Michigan State. In the NBA, you can crush them for their predictability, but the predictability is actually what people want with their entertainment. When you go to watch Aladdin, for instance, or these Disney remakes that happen time and time again, or these superhero remakes that Disney keeps trotting out as well, You go because you're familiar with the storyline. You know the superheroes. You're nostalgic about that. You're nostalgic about the Disney as well. You're nostalgic. Maybe you're just there because you like the actors who are participating. Will Smith, Angelina Jolie, Brad Pitt. We like stars. That's what brings us to the theater. That's what brings us to our television to watch unless... You're a hardcore sports fan or a hardcore fan of the team that's going to be there regardless. And putting together my most recognizable athletes in American culture today, six of the top ten most recognizable names, from my view, are basketball players. Four of the top five are in the NBA. Only one is an NFL player. Here's my top ten. LeBron James, number one. Tiger Woods, number two. Steph Curry, three. James Harden, four. Kevin Durant, five. Serena Williams, six. Tom Brady, seven. Phil Mickelson, eight. Kyrie Irving, nine. Zion Williamson, ten. 
I really do think Zion creeped it to the top 10, being the biggest star in basketball this past year, and just having that name, that single name recognition, that pushes him very high up in this department. Your thoughts are welcome on Twitter, at SportsHubTriad, 336-777-1600. Baseball struggles with this because it's become a regional sport that stifles progress and personality. If you show personality in baseball... You might have baseballs thrown at you. That's how that sport works. If you flip your bat the wrong way, if you take too long on a home run trot, if you say something that's moderately controversial, you might get baseballs thrown at you because unwritten rules in the sport. In football, Tom Brady is the only athlete I can think of in the top 15, maybe, who might even qualify as being a top 10 recognizable face in sports in America today. Even though we can all agree the NFL is king and the NFL is the most popular sport right now, it's still a sport that has its stars wearing helmets and there's 22 players out on the field at the same time. And much like baseball, it's another sport that just tries to scrub the personality away from its stars, like Cam Newton who has said less interesting things in recent years since his MVP season. And he said he's going to stay away from talking about social issue issues and such after that Super Bowl appearance in a GQ interview. In the NBA, you could do that all the time. In the NFL, if you show personality, you're Odell Beckham Jr. and you're made out to be a controversial figure, a problem in the locker room, a cancer is the word, that's used very often. The NBA has none of these problems. That's why I believe six of the top ten most recognizable athletes in America are basketball players and four of the top five. Kawhi Leonard is somebody who's creeping into the top ten, and he's doing so in a funny, awkward way. Kawhi Leonard getting to this place. He's getting very close to qualifying as a top ten most recognizable face. Maybe a recognizable laugh. <laughs> His awkwardness has become a brand to the point where he's suing Nike for misusing his brand. That's what being in the finals will do. Giannis is probably a top 15 guy. This World 100 was put out at this time last year. And there isn't an NFL player mentioned till Brady. And he's number 38. On that list. Yes, Des. The NBA kind of figured this out in the 80s with Magic and Bird where they started basically making the Lakers-Celtics the spotlights of those Saturday afternoon, Sunday afternoon games that were on tape delay before and then eventually got to live because people started watching them. But it would always be the Celtics first versus someone, then the Lakers versus someone on the West Coast. No, no, no. And I th- they would always I think, do it. I think you're saying it wrong. What you, You're exactly right with well, those stars, but... They bill it, not the Lakers that's where, playing the that's, Celtics. Well, that's where I was going. Okay. They, they're gonna they, they when they would put it on TV for the commercial it would be Magic Johnson and the Los Angeles Lakers take on Clyde Drexler and the Portland Trailblazers or Larry Bird and the, the Yeah, they they continue that now and now other sports do that too. Was my point. The NFL now markets their spots that way. Tom Brady and the Patriots taking on Cam Newton and the Panthers. They figured out what the NBA figured out thirty years ago, and I think that's why. I, you've 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 picked at me before about having you know multiple players in the NBA that I'm a fan of or whatnot. I think that's kind of wise because of the way it's marketed to me. I love Steph Curry. I love 
LeBron James. I, I love individual players in that sport. Not so much in the NFL. In the NFL, it's more about teams, liking a whole team to me. So that kind of goes hand in hand for what you're saying. So again, I put this out on Twitter, and you can send in your submissions at Sports Hub Triad. The most recognizable athletes. If you're just polling Americans and we're talking about active players, my top 10, LeBron 1, Tiger 2, Curry 3, Harden 4, KD 5, Serena Williams 6, Tom Brady 7, Phil Mickelson 8, Kyrie Irving 9, Zion Williamson 10. I think those are the most recognizable. The next five probably going to be Kawhi, Aaron Rodgers, Jordan Spieth, Russell Westbrook, Giannis Antetokounmpo. Was Kevin Durant on your list anywhere? Yes, Daz. He was number five. Number five. Okay. I think James Harden might be a little too high. I Well, I, I put Harden above KD only because he's got the beard, which many people recognize him for, and he dated our, a Kardashian, which is crossover appeal in ways KD just isn't interested in. So this isn't strictly just talent. Tiger Woods isn't the most talented golfer, but it's 20 years of equity being built with him. Um. And then Steph Curry, just how relatable he is and how small he is and how unique his game is, is something that stands out, even though I believe KD is an all-around better player than Steph Curry. Um, I, I would actually put Dale Earnhardt Jr. on that list as well. He's been the most popular driver in NASCAR. He's not an active athlete anymore. He's still the most popular driver in NASCAR. The, it's the most act. We were talking about active players. If, you do, if you're going to open it up to that, then Michael Jordan and Peyton Manning are going to end up on this list somewhere. Watch, yeah. Aladdin last night, I went to watch that, and I thought I was going to hate it. How are you going to replace Robin Williams? How's Will Smith going to do this? Will Smith hasn't put out a good movie in at least five years. This isn't going to end well. I liked it. I thought it was great. I got nostalgic, and oh, it had me remembering why Aladdin is the best Disney movie of all time. I think it's better than Lion King. I put it over all these other classics, too, the older ones. This is the best Disney song of all time. In fact, the three major categories that favor Aladdin, which made this movie great because of the nostalgia of it all, best best Disney princess, give me Jasmine, over anybody else you care to throw at me, best animal sidekick, Abu the monkey, and this is the best Disney song of all time. Would you agree Aladdin is way up there in your book? No. I've been on record with this. Aladdin's not one of my favorite Disney movies. Lion King will forever be king. And we'll see how their live version is supposed to be coming out later this summer stacks up to this Aladdin version. But I've never been an Aladdin fan. This might be a strange thing to say. But I like the fact that the stars in the Aladdin movie, the recent one, they weren't celebrity big names. Will Smith was in it. But aside from that, the actors who played Aladdin and Princess Jasmine, they weren't big names. I bet you they have theater background of sorts, which you need if you're singing these songs. Because the model that Aladdin created way back in 1991 or 1993 when Robin Williams attached his name to this movie, all these TV executives or make it movie executives have followed the template that that was set you have big name voicing one of the characters and you're molding the character around the celebrity versus having great characters that these celebrities can play what concerns me about lion king is you're just throwing 
every celebrity in the book who aren't voiceover artists, some of which aren't even actors altogether, John Oliver, Beyonce, and you're throwing them into these classic roles, I don't know how that's going to end for Lion King. But I still think Aladdin is the best Disney movie of all time. I thought last night I was going to hate the remake, but I'd be lying if I did. I looked like a fool. Last night, when that song happened in the movie, if you had a camera put on me in the movie theater, I would have looked just unreasonably goofy. Big, stupid smile on my face. Just, I I called like a couple friends afterward. I was post-coital. I was really happy and satisfied because the, the nostalgia of Aladdin. I don't even think it was that great objectively of a movie, but the nostalgia was there. So you're giving it extra brownie points because it brought up emotional feelings from when you first watched the original cartoon, yes. not because the movie was spectacular. Exactly. Hmm. And that has to be the chord Lion King strikes or else you're going to be in danger. When you're trying to do new things around something that's already universally liked, that's when you set yourself up for potential roadblocks and potential danger coming up the best emails i've ever received this is the drive i love talking and conversing with you you're on the drive with josh graham the The sports Sports hub at am 600 am 920 WXII hanging out with us in studio. You can find him on Twitter at Chris Lee TV LEA. Tonight's game three of the NBA Finals. And I've already gone out and said it. Say it. A week ago, I've said it uh, that uh, Golden State was going to win this series in five games. I thought Toronto would win game one because of the layoff for Golden State. Turns out the Warriors came out a little flat. Obviously, Kevin Durant hasn't played in this series yet. Mm -hmm. I feel like he's going to be back at some point, whether it be Friday or Monday. I have Golden State winning this series in five games. I feel no differently because they stole game two. Tonight is Toronto's last shot, I feel like, to get back in this series if they're going to. Because without KD, without maybe Klay Thompson, who's still questionable for tonight, without Kevon Looney, this is the most vulnerable Golden State's been in five years. I think this is it. Toronto, it's a must-win for them tonight. What do you think? I I probably should just go home because everything you said, I just agree with, like, every single word. (laughs) And this is Toronto's shot. If they don't do it tonight, then it's it's legit over. And this, I mean, really is the most vulnerable Golden State's been. Obviously, they had the game in 2016 without Draymond Green in Game 5, but you still have Harrison Barnes on that team and a younger Sean Livingston and Andre Iguodala a year after he won the Finals MVP. I feel like if they don't win tonight, they don't win another game, period. Because I get all these theories out here. Charles Barkley has it. Dez has it. That KD is not going to play in the series and Golden State knows it. I don't feel like they'd drag us along this long if it wasn't the case. I feel like you wouldn't see Kevin Durant in the tunnel being as active as he is and him shooting basketballs and and working out 
if he wasn't going to return to the floor. I feel like it's going to be Game 4 or Game 5. KD's coming back out because they've just dragged this along too long. Well, you've seen him out there because, A, Kevin Durant loves basketball more than anything else. Like he, the Basketball players play basketball year-round. It's not just during the season. They're, they're out finding a pickup game during the offseason. And two, I think all of us have been... Uh, We've all been we've we've all basically said Kevin Durant is not attached to the Golden State Warriors in some way, shape, or form. That it's like Kevin Durant and the Warriors, like it's two separate entities. But what we haven't really realized is that he's been there for two, three years, and these guys have become his teammates. Like I'm really leaning towards the notion that he's going to stay if they win another ring this time around. He's going to sign a one year deal with the Warriors to go for a four peat because then that puts them above the the Jordan Bulls. Never did it. Uh, the Showtime Lakers never did but it. He's not going to get never did credit it. for that, though. And he, that clearly I mean, matters to Kevin Durant. But he'd be there for three of the four I know, they but won. The last few, he hasn't gotten any credit for it. I mean, he won the, the finals MVP the both both years they were there with him. So no, I no, think he got I, pretty good credit. That's good that he gets the finals MVP, but the public perception, what you're speaking to is true. It should be a basketball paradise that Kevin Durant is enjoying right now as somebody like you started with, who just cares about playing basketball. But what we've learned with the burner Twitter accounts and what we've learned with the way that he will send pot shots at Chris Broussard and other members of the media is that he cares what people are saying. He cares about the perception, and he's not getting any credit, and I think he's realized he's not going to get any credit as long as he's with the Golden State Warriors. Do you think this whole thing about giving credit is kind of something that's overblown because we're living right now in the present moment versus 10 years from now when there's a new dynasty, a new set of superstars, and we've forgotten yep. how all of this has transpired? We'll just simply look back and say, who are on these Golden State Warriors teams? Oh, yeah, KD was on this team. Mm. He has three rings. Perhaps, but in the present moment, it matters. Usually I think all these things are overrated anyway, just as long as the athletes don't give them credence. So with KD giving voice to the criticism in real time, when Chris Broussard says that this is a living nightmare for Kevin Durant, when he's not out there in Golden State sweeping the Portland Trailblazers, he responds to that. There's, it's obvious he's thin-skinned, and this stuff matters to him. So how can he just named as the exact reason why he came there in the first place? Yeah. He came to a place that he knew is already a well-oiled machine. He'd gotten beaten by them. He knew that these guys could operate without him. I don't think he – I think he kind of knew that like he's going to go to a place where this could potentially be the case if I get injured. These people could – Go ahead and go on. I think that was part of the the appeal. And I think he's gotten what he's he's set out for. I think he, he set out to win some championships. He's done that. It's very similar to LeBron where he, he didn't win with Cleveland, goes to Miami, wins some championships, and now he's taken on two different challenges. He succeeded in getting a title with Cleveland. Now he's trying to do it with the Los Angeles Lakers. I, I would be stunned if Kevin Durant remains with Golden State, but I don't want to also feed the thing that we continue to do in the media as well. While we have finals basketball games to talk about, just constantly being worried about what's going to happen on July the 1st. Yeah. It's a 1-1 series tie, but I do feel like Golden State's on the verge of making this seem like a route, just like last year with Cleveland with the sweep and the year before a five-game series with the Cavaliers. Golden State hasn't played like itself in this series yet. Not at all. Game one, Toronto was the better team. Game two, I'd argue Toronto was the better team aside from the 18-minute stretch where Golden State had a lead that they could protect the rest of the way. 
That's happened while Golden State has been limited and also while Golden State was on the road in Toronto. These next two games, Golden State, with the exception of getting beaten twice by the Clippers in the first round, all year long, one of the best teams at home in the NBA. Tonight, they're at home. They're vulnerable on the floor because we'll see what Klay Thompson could give you, and obviously you don't have KD or Looney, but you're at home now. I expect those ancillary bench roll parts to show up. If they can't win tonight and you're getting healthier players as the series goes on and on top of that, maybe Kevin Durant, I think the series is a wrap. If Golden State wins tonight, we're not going to see Kevin Durant this series 100%. There's no reason to bring him back up 3-1. Like, if they can't close the deal out 3-1 when I don't, they've got guys I don't coming back besides him. I think it's Golden him, State's decision. It's Kevin Durant's call. Yeah, it'll be Kevin Durant's decision to not to come back. This has been the whole thing I've been saying this whole time. He's, he, he's as much as he loves playing needed. basketball, yeah, he's not going to come back unless he's 100% like healthy, ready but to go. why? Because he's a hindrance to the team if he's not. Like, he can't play Kevin Durant. I don't Durant think he's a hindrance. They don't have bodies. He's not a mutant. If he's they, a human. I if mean, they you win, can't just you're right. He's a human, and, and humans want to win titles and play basketball. Yeah, but if you can't be who you are, then you're not going to go out and, and be a half Kevin Durant or three-quarters of a Kevin Durant. Otherwise, he probably could have played last week. Yeah, I think he's coming back if he's needed. It's the other if thing. If, yeah. we're, this, if we're tied 2-2, then you start talking going about into him. Toronto... These you are, see him game five, six, and seven. These are the these are feeding the things that bother me. It's it's there's the focusing on July the first. I like staying in the present as much as we can. We're talking about him right playing for right the right now in this series. And the other thing is having every single individual game have to mean something for the big picture. Kevin Durant has been spending the last couple of weeks trying to get ready to play in the NBA Finals. And I'm here to tell you if it's three one three zero or three three. If KD can, can play in a finals game, I don't care what the series is, he's going to play. And I'm here to tell you, I'd be willing to bet a significant amount that Kevin Durant is going to play in these finals. He's going to play no matter what happens tonight on Friday or Monday. Kevin Durant will be playing in these NBA finals. If he could play Friday, he could play tonight. Like the the way I mean, says who says, says pretty much anyone. I mean, that, what's two more days going to count? Wait, wait, says pretty much anyone. Who are these anyone? Who who are the people going around saying that he's going to definitely play Friday and on Monday? Well, no, like, Chris that's, Haynes that's, is the one that reported last Friday before Golden State even won a game in this series, and he's going to end up being wrong. Like he's not going to play. <laughs> so he's just you, not going. Him to and play. his sources wrong. He never. Desmond Johnson here in a studio in North Carolina, right? What sources did he have? Like demeaning me doesn't take away the fact I'm that not, Kevin Durant is still injured and is not going to play. Chris like, I don't is one understand. of the best breaking news reporters out there. I'm saying if he's not going to play, we'd already know it. And he has soft hands too. He shook his hand one time at NABJ and his hands are very soft. <laughs> Katie has soft hands? No, Chris Haynes, I'm sorry. Oh, Chris Haynes does. Golden State has moved hands. the goalpost on when Kevin Durant's coming back for the past month. He has been out of action for four plus weeks. We we first it was oh it's a two week injury. Then it was oh well it's day to day. Now it's well he's not gonna be ready for game one. He's not gonna be ready for game two. Like how much more do you need from Steve Kerr, who who I assume knows more than Chris Haynes does about the about Kevin Durant? He's sitting here telling you to your face that Kevin Durant is not ready to play, and Kevin Durant's not gonna go out there if he's not hundred percent. Okay, I, I'm I'm willing to stick my foot down and say. With without any fencing or without any type of standing on a fence here. It's picking a side. Kevin Durant, is he going to play in the finals or is he not? I think he is. He's going to play regardless of what happens tonight. He's going to play either Friday or Monday. Because here's the thing. You, you said if he could play tonight, he could play Friday. 
What's the difference between Friday and tonight? Well, you have three days of rest versus two days of rest. Or you have one day rest in between the games. because He's had four or something since the last game. No, no. If you, if you want Kevin Durant back and you don't want him to be concerned to play multiple games if he has to, wouldn't you prefer him to come back on regular rest schedules where you have two, game, or two days in between each game? This is the one stretch in the finals where you only have one day separating the games. So it's a quick turnaround. You play a Wednesday night tonight, and then you play Friday. Then you have the normal two-day stretch. That might be why they're waiting till Friday. Like we said earlier, I mean, I agree with Chris. If Toronto wins tonight, then all that you just said comes into play. Then, yeah, Kevin Durant might be I'm able to play on Friday. I'm telling you, that doesn't matter. We're saying it does. That's what I'm saying. Like, Do it, you buy that? That yeah. if, if Golden State wins tonight, that affects the status yeah. of the injury of Kevin Durant. Not the status of the injury, but, you know, clearly, like, the type of injury he had, he's probably going to be done for the season if we were at this point in the regular season, right? So he's only going to come back if it's worth the while. They didn't need him against Portland, so he didn't come back. They don't need him so far against Toronto. Why risk anything, whether you want to come back to Golden State or go somewhere else or not? Knowing that you have millions and millions of dollars, let online, me answer that. Why would you risk anything unless it's only for an NBA championship? Let me answer that. Why not? But, well, he just said because you mean, have it, millions and millions of dollars who, on who, the line. Who, who? I mean, every team. I mean, the New York Knicks. No matter what happens to Kevin Durant, it could be any injury short of an amputation. They're going to give Kevin Durant the max. It does not matter. You think Do Kevin Durant's going to be comfortable? hundred percent. Do we know that? A hundred percent that they will give them. You think the New York Knicks, who haven't had anything, anything the last two decades to cling on to, are going to think, you know what? In if, the interim of these six months, if, we they will, Durant, if they will ban a, and kick out a legendary player from the building like Charles Oakley, then yes, they do that <laughs> <Yeah>. against KD. <laughs> but he was a legendary. But he wasn't a current legendary player. He's there's for, he, there's no. Still I mean, I understand that we say James Dolan isn't exactly the brightest bulb in the box and whatnot. But there he is, is no when he comes to making money. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like scene. billionaires don't become billionaires by accident. Well, here's the thing: <laughs> there's four or five. Legitimate contenders who all want Kevin Durant, who I think none of them are going to be deterred with whatever happens to him injury-wise. He goes out there with a calf strain, which we still don't know the severity of, but it had to be pretty severe considering he's missed four weeks straight. But not concerned enough that they haven't ruled him out already for the entire finals. Well, again, I said that they haven't done that because they want Toronto to think there's a possibility he can still play. I think that's nonsense because they... Uh, they they ruled him out for game one before they even knew their opponent. So Toronto had didn't have any time to prepare for him for game one. They ruled him out for game two before game one was ever played. When is the mental gymnastics happening where you have to prepare for him when you know games one and two you're not going to have him before you're even playing them? Hmm. I mean that that dismisses it. But even 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 with the, going back to Kevin Durant and his calf strain, we still know the severity of it. Say Kevin Durant goes out there and ruptures his Achilles because he came back a little too soon. No one out there is going to give him $240 million. For I, I'm here to tell you, every single team is going to do that. Not next year. Yes. No way. There's Why, no every, way someone's going to pay him $40 million. Achilles injury in basketball every, is death. Every single team would bend over backwards to give that guy that contract. The teams that haven't won anything ever, the Clippers, the Knicks, the Nets, those are the teams we're talking about here. So we're talking about thin-skinned Kevin Durant with the burner accounts is going to go to one of the two largest media markets in the country. Sure. 
Why? That makes no sense. That makes no sense whatsoever. Why would because he do that? Because you want to be the savior of this. You want to be seen like LeBron. You want to be seen as one of the best. And the you way to do that is by winning at one of these places that haven't won. Or be with a dynasty that wins four straight, which Jordan never did. But we've Magic already seen did. that nobody's given them any credit for it. Nobody is. I think that'll change over time. Uh, right, but it, it, hasn't, time. it hasn't changed now, though. And that's what KD hears on TV, and that's what KD hears on the radio, and he listens to it. It's actually kind of softer now than it was two years ago, to be honest. like everyone was Because over time, you, people forget. Because right now, a lot of people think it the way you think. or uh, well, you may, No, you're not thinking this way, but other people. like They need KD to win this. Mm-hmm. So, like, you know, it, it's, it's already changed. It's going to be different ago. in five years. It's going to be a lot different in 15 years. KD will play either game four or five. They don't drag these things out for nothing. He's not sticking around just to be a supportive teammate. I'm, That's I'm, not happening. I'm, I'm like so biting my tongue to not challenge you to a bet right please now. Because I it. said I was not going to do that please for a while. It. No, I don't want oh, to. No, Please do it. And I we can not. parlay it if you think Golden State's good. He's going to remain in Golden State. Every single reporter who you're discounting, like Chris Haynes and these other not great... discounting him. Yeah, you said who's Chris Haynes, what does he know, who's his sources. I'm not discounting him. That's I, completely discounting no, him. He does have soft hands, though. Yeah. Chris Haynes with the soft hands. I mean, All these other great reporters who are breaking news and covering NBA games, none of them are saying KD's coming back to the Warriors. None of them. They're all saying that it might be the Clippers. A lot of people think in the Knicks. Nobody's saying Golden State. There's been a couple people saying Golden State now. Who? Uh, Steve who? A just today was saying that he thinks he's going to end up staying with the Warriors. I've heard numbers of people saying that he's just going to take a one-year deal at $35 million and try to go for four. That's historic. That's more than what he could do. <laughs> I don't even know why he'd want to go to the Clippers and, and the Knicks. The, the Clippers are a great basketball situation. It's still the Clippers. It's like the Browns. Until they actually do something, they're going to be stigmatized by what they've done in the past. Well then, I going mean, to his. I, point, I mean, though, LeBron James went to the. Let's not forget LeBron went to the Cavs. I mean, and, and won there in Cleveland, right? I mean, that happened. I mean, that's and hard. go and go, yeah. Nobody won in a, a Golden State for forty years until they just started. But they had titles on their resume, though. They had won yeah. in nineteen seventy-five. More on the Clippers. The Clippers have been a laughing stock. But going to his point, though, like if it and the does, Browns have titles too. If it they does 10 matter, and, ten and fifteen of them. If it does matter to KD, then maybe he does go to the Clippers. You know, so he could be the one to say, hey, I brought the Clippers a championship. Up next, what we learned about Gerald McCoy in the last 24 hours. Keep it on the drive. We need to talk. Just talk. 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 This is the Sports Hub at AM 600, AM 920. The lowest form of communication. Now back to the drive with Josh Graham. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. <laughs> <laughs> It is time for the weekly top 10 list. It is my top 10 Disney movies. I saw Aladdin last night. I thought I was going to hate it. I didn't because I love that movie and I think it's the best Disney movie ever. Now that's my opinion. Just because I think it has the best princess, the best song, the best animal sidekick. I thought Will Smith did a really nice job. It's not Robin Williams, but it's still very good. So I have my top 10 Disney movies. In turn, Aaron has his list too. And he's feeling pretty confident about what he has. Last week, we learned that The Apprentice has figured out the moves of the master (laughs) when it comes to the top 10 list. And now we'll see 
if Intern Aaron is a Jedi Master in his own right right here. So ex- explain to the listening audience how this is going to go in terms of how you guys are going to do this. Because I'm we're gonna hit definitely afraid. What <laughs> Heidi in the front describes as being bougie music. And Intern Aaron is going to give us his top ten list first. And then I'm going to present my top ten list and we'll figure out together which one's better. Pretty simple. I'm scared. All right. I already see Chris Lee getting set for this. He, he's he got he's over the corner. He's got the wheels turning. He has a couple of things written down right now. He's ready to go. Let's go ahead and do the list. Top ten Disney movies. Intern Aaron, you want to let it rip? done (laughs) well done what is about to happen i'm very proud is this hopefully magic intern aaron give me your number 10 disney movie number 10 on my top 10 disney movie list marquette lion king (laughs) next number nine on your list football fantasia Next football fantasia. <laughs> what? Number eight. Greg Chicken Little. What? <laughs> Next. What is that? Are you thinking UNC Greg Little or the new offensive lineman? The new offensive of the lineman Greg Little. Can you give me number ten one more time? That was tremendous. Marquette Lion King. Marquette <laughs> Lion King. Chris doesn't know how to feel about this. Number seven, (laughs) Intern Aaron's number seven Disney movie, Bridge to Trubisky. Hmm. Is that a Bridge to Trubisky? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if you stuck the landing on that one. Next. (laughs) Yeah. Let's 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 move on. Number six, Intern Aaron's number six Disney movie, Usain Bolt. That's the easy one. (laughs) Next, (laughs) number five. Alex Smith in Wonderland. Next! <laughs> I'm not laughing at the list. I'm laughing at that. It's a really big stretch. <laughs> Number four! Patatouli. What? Patatouli. Like Patrick Mahomes, but Ratatouli. Number three! That's John Fox and the Hound. Next! Uh, I considered that one. John Fox and the Hound. Number two! Mighty Joe Cool Young. <laughs> wow, Jay-Z making an appearance. Are we at number one? We are. Number one on Intern Aaron's list. Top ten Disney movies. Meet the Robinsons. David, Jackie, Sugar Ray, Frank, and Nate. What? <laughs> I don't understand what just happened here. I don't know how I feel about this. Was this a good idea? He might be taking this segment from you. <laughs> like I said, I think I got the best list I've ever done. Intern Aaron, that wasn't as good as what you did last week. Maybe you're good as an accenting part here. You, had a couple you still have a lot of training left to go. <laughs> Girls couple. I like how he's giving all that to still you before we hear his. Yeah, we haven't heard his list yet. What's Number 10. <laughs> My number 10 Disney movie, Steamboat Willie Stargell. Next! <laughs> number 9, 
Lilo and Mitch Trubisky. Oh. Next! <laughs> I love that movie. <laughs> number eight. My number eight Disney movie. Mary Popovich. Oh, my. Next! <laughs> <laughs> Could you imagine that movie? With just <laughs> Popovich thrown in. What if Popovich was the one on the umbrella? Having a sing spoon, uh, spoonful of sugar. Chiminy, chiminy, chim, I do. <laughs> Gotta pass the ball. <laughs> number, <laughs> respect the game. Number defense. seven. My number seven Disney movie. Ralph Sampson breaks the internet. Uh. <laughs> Next. <laughs> That's. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Let that one wash over me. <laughs> Ralph Sampson breaking the internet. He would have if if he played in 2019 versus 1984. That guy would break the internet. <laughs> I believe it. It's a good movie. Number six. My number six Disney movie. The Zion King. You had that one? I, I, did, I thought about it, but I thought it was too obvious, so I didn't write it down. <laughs> So I guess I should have wrote it down. <laughs> Number five. This is where the good meets the great. Oh, boy. Of the top ten list. Do My number meet. five Disney movie. <laughs> the Great Bambino. It's not that bad, actually. Next! <laughs> not bad at all. Chris Lee, I think, approved. Yeah, that's pretty pretty good. Chris pretty is good. a tough cookie cookie to crack. I think he liked that one. <laughs> we just expect so much. Number four. My number four Disney movie. Dikembe Madumbo. Next! Yeah, that's pretty good. (laughs) (laughs) My number three Disney movie. Roy's Story. Roy's Story. Next! (laughs) Number two. I guess. My number two (laughs) Disney movie. Luau Cinderella. (laughs) <laughs> Next. Yeah, that one's pretty good. That one, that one's good. I like it. Yeah. <laughs> and my number one Disney movie of all time. <laughs> Cinderella. It's probably the number one right there. <laughs> Aladdin Abdul Nabi. <laughs> what? I, I hate that dude, man. <laughs> I still hate him to this day. It's been thirty years. Aladdin's my favorite Disney, uh, Disney movie, period. But Aladdin Abdul Nabi, number one on the list, right next to um, uh, Dumbo Jackson. If I saw Ala Abdul Nabi in the food line, I would run up to him and kick him in the shin oh, and run away. I would. I really would. What else did you have written down? I had Damar DeFrozen. <laughs> oh! <laughs> Demar DeFrozen. That's almost like a playoff slam, too. Yeah. Yes, oh it my is. Gosh. And wow. I have, I have <laughs> Beauty and the Greek Freak. Doctor mm. J's Frozone almost made it. Uh, oh, nice. I don't get it. Do I have some kind of mental block when it comes to making these? Because y'all are just <laughs> making these all easy, and I'm sitting there. I have nothing. The Chicago, <laughs> nothing. the Chicago Incredibles. The Chicago Incredibles. I get it. I'm with I it. I get it. I'm with it. Finding Hideo Nemo. <laughs> <laughs> are these ones that didn't make the cut? Or these are these are the ones that didn't make the cut. The top ten list is over with. But I found yes. this one to be challenging. <laughs> did you? I did. What was the best one you had, Aaron? 
I kind of like uh, I like to meet the Robinsons with all the different Robinsons. <laughs> well, it was number one, so yeah, I yeah, yeah. that's my favorite. <laughs> I actually liked Alex Smith in Wonderland, <laughs> and, uh, and actually uh, that was my favorite of his too. <laughs> Football Fantasia and Marquette Lion that King. That was it. That's the money right there. Football the Adventures. Fantasia. The Adventures of Rodney Hood. <laughs> I was trying to find some Robin Hood, but I went with John Fox. No. The Adventures uh, of Rodney Hood. I had actually that one. I had amazed. John Fox in the Hound. I'm amazed at how easy you you all are able to just sit here and, and write these down. Like I I have some sort of like mental block when it comes to doing these. It's it's. I applaud you. I applaud all of you. <laughs> I applaud you all. So well, I guess my top ten list was slightly better. Yeah, you got all the experience. You got the experience, <laughs> right. You You'll get there. I don't know if it was your best ever. You had one that was like... Yeah, Bill Russell Stover. Yeah, it's no Bill Russell Stover. <laughs> I was just... You were here for that, weren't you? No. It was the Valentine's Day one, I think. He oh, went, yes, I was. Yeah. You, you, were, you were in Russell here. Stover. I gave him a buzzer for Bill Russell Stover. He went ballistic. He has not let it go. That was February. <laughs> this is July. <laughs> I... <laughs> it's like I'm gonna hold it forever. I, I haven't forgotten. Never will. <laughs> go go visit Pie Guys Pizza and more. By the way, grab yourself the Graham Slam Pizza. It uh it has chicken and bacon and Texas Pete sauce. Order online pieguys.com. Find them Kinnaman Village Commons right off of Louisville Clemens Road. Chris Lee, it's crazy. Every time you're in here, it doesn't feel like an hour. It doesn't. It doesn't. Radio just flies by. Yeah, Unlike sure television, does. where how many hours do you spend crafting? Something that is only four or five minutes long. <laughs> I, like More like five hours putting together something that's only going to last for three minutes. Yes. That's television. That is television. Radio is slightly different. Yeah. Follow him on Twitter, at Chris Lee TV. L-E-A. It's good TV? to have you in here. We'll have to have you in sometime soon again. Thank you. I'm here. That is Let's Chris rock it Lee. This summer. We're going to rock it this summer. Coming up. Big Panthers news today and smart business practices. This is the Sports Hub. You're on the drive. Next! Come on! This is the Sports Hub at AM 600, AM 920. Now back to the drive with Josh Graham. The NSMA is coming up. The National Sports Media Association's weekend, I should say Hall of Fame weekend. We're about three weeks away from that. Two and a half weeks, really. The director, the president of the NSMA, Dave Gorin, is in studio with us now from the Wake Forest Sports Network. You know him as well on the sidelines. And before we get to your calls at 336-777-1600 and on Twitter at Sports Hub Triad, Let's get to an announcement first and foremost. The Hall of Fame ceremony that we're very excited about on Monday, the, uh, Monday, June 24th, we're going to be broadcasting our show from the seminar earlier that afternoon. That's awesome. I am very excited by that. And we're looking forward to some of the great guests that are going to be a part of it as well. well wait a minute. Let me, let me back up a little bit. I will be excited if Dez is coming. Dez, are you coming? Or you're going to be stuck in the studio. Uh, I'd, I'd probably be here oh, during the show, but um, I'm not excited anymore. <laughs> well, I'm, you know, not that I don't want you there, Josh, <laughs> but I want you to bring Dez because Dez needs to be there. I think what's the date of it again? Monday, Monday the 24th. 
I'll have to check and see because we might be able to swing something for me to be there with Josh. I, don't, I think I don't you know. need to be. Might be able to try. Some of the big guests you're going to bring in, though. We had Bob Ryan earlier in the week. Of course, he's one of your chair members. Correct. One and of the board, of, board of directors. One of the board of directors. And he said that even though he's not officially coming with Hall of Fame inductee Tony Kornheiser, he's going to try and make sure Michael Wilbon's there, too. So we got to get the PTI crew together. Yeah, I've been, I've been, been trying to work on that. So maybe Bob will make it happen. I need to call Bob, apparently. Because he could make it happen. The NBA Finals are tonight. I want to talk about that a little bit because somebody who will be on the call is someone being recognized historically as the National Sportscaster of the Year this year. But before we get to that, there was a headline that really stood out today. I think it's the biggest headline of the day, that there's an Xbox deodorant and body wash coming out called Xbox... Got to figure out the exact title for Xbox Links. And we're trying to figure out what these commercials are going to look like, how they're going to promote it. Axe body spray, you spray it, and then all of a sudden women just start flocking at you. Flocking away from you, I believe. No, no, flocking towards you in oh, okay. the commercials. Oh, in the commercials. But right. in real life, after, you know, the only problem is, why, problem is why would you name it Xbox Link? Why would you name it something that rhymes with stinks? Unless you're going to play off that in the commercial. Hmm. Right. They that's, should have had you in the room that's very valid, when they were considering right. these things. But uh, we're trying to figure that out ourselves. What does this smell like? What do the commercials look like? Dan in Winston-Salem has an idea for us. Dan, you're on the Sports Hub. Paint the picture for me. What's this commercial going to look like for the new Xbox deodorant? Scene opens. Kid in a dressing room, puts on Xbox deodorant, puts on a gamer jersey. Cut to him holding up a check. He just won the tournament. Next scene, he's in the bathroom, puts on Xbox deodorant, puts on his shirt, Cut to him at dinner with a girl. Voiceover. Whether you want to score in a game or in real life, Xbox, we got your back. Wow! Thank you so much, Dan. That wasn't bad. Dan wins a prize, I think. Do you have a prize for Dan? No, nah, he's already gone. Oh. We, have, we have a bell or something that <laughs> yeah, we we'll can give, give him, Dan. We'll right. give him an audio appreciation. And prize. There you go. That, that's the best way we know how to reward people around here. I started thinking about some of the more recognizable figures in sports earlier today. The NBA uh, playoffs often get criticized for being predictable. Most times you, at the beginning of the year, know the three or four teams that have a shot at winning, and a lot of people use that as ammunition against the NBA, even though ratings have climbed over the years despite the lack of randomness in the postseason. It has me wondering, what do we really want in a title game? What do we want in a postseason format. We're in college basketball country, so it's no secret that we love March Madness. But at a certain point, at least this is me speaking, I don't think we want to see the Loyola Chicago's advance very far, or the VCUs or the Butlers, or maybe not as much as we'd like to see more familiar characters like John Calipari, Mike Krzyzewski, and Roy Williams advance further because we either like or hate that team, which brings our interest to the product. Right. You, it's nice to have one. You don't want two of those. Um, <laughs> it's good to have the you know the hated Lakers or the hated Cavaliers or the, the hated Warriors. And then maybe you know, Toronto this year is a perfect example. I mean, nobody, nobody's a Raptors fan, are they? So it's good to have them in there. That's something fresh. It's good to have. And maybe next year you go back and you have the Warriors and the whomever. 
But since the NBA has a model where you're pretty much guaranteed to have superstar players advance far and name recognition with the teams in it, or at least some of the players in it, that is what you want if you're a sports league. And the NBA has figured it out, how to market its sport, and they've done it for a long time, going towards the individual more than the team. Baseball, it's a regional sport at this point. It depresses me to say that, but that's what it's become. But it's also a sport that I think, in part, stifles personality and stifles anybody who breaks out of the norms of following these unwritten rules. You can literally have baseballs thrown at you if you flip a bat the wrong way or show any type of personality or display an opinion that might be controversial. Or or bunt to break up a no-hitter. Right. Football. Many of those same things applies with, with uh, apply with sensibilities. The way we treat athletes such as Odell Beckham Jr., the way that he acts in football, he's seen as a, quote, cancer to the locker room. If he's in the NBA, I don't think anybody cares about that. Plus, it's a sport where I don't think there are many recognizable stars within that league, even among the quarterbacks. Oh. Like the ESPN what, Top World 100 came out last last year the most recognizable athletes. Tom Brady was the first player to appear, and he was 38th on the list. Where would you, If I'm putting together a top 10, most recognizable athletes just among Americans polled, here's where I think we're going. I think it's LeBron 1, Tiger 2, Curry 3, Harden 4, KD 5, Serena 6, Brady 7, Phil Mickelson 8, Kyrie Irving 9, and I think Zion Williamson's in the top 10. I do. You could, you could probably do a week's worth of talk show on that one subject. Um you know that that poll. I'd like to see when it was taken because that could have an effect. I, th- I think our our awards voting sometimes that was my when poll. it happens affects who wins the award. Sometimes that was um, my poll. I just put good. that together. I like it. I don't. I don't know if Zion's in the top ten yet, but it's a good. That's good cl- clickbait. But Tom Brady, for example, Tom Brady. Everybody knows who Tom Brady is. Who's the next most recognizable NFL player? Um. So you ask me out of football season, it's, it's but that's hard. A, that's a crazy thing. The fact that it's hard speaks to the point. I think of this list I just put together off head, offhand. Six of the top ten were basketball players. Four of the top five were basketball players because we see their face. Well, they're, that's they're the other thing. To you the see their face. Football, football, you don't see their face. And there's 22 the of them on the field at one time. Right. right. So even though it's the most well, popular nobody, sport, nobody cares about the linemen. Especially right. the offensive linemen. I'm not, I'm not saying I don't care about them. I'm saying, in general, fans, they don't know who they are to begin with. They don't care to know who they are. If it's somebody, who, you know, defense, rush ends, people will know who they are. Gerald McCoy, people. baby. That's right. You'll know who he is pretty soon. Um, but, you know, basketball, you have, you know, the cameras are right there. The cameras aren't right there in football. They're six stories above the field shooting down. Now, yeah, you have the sideline cameras. But, you know, they're usually not even allowed in the bench area. So, In the NBA Finals, when I look at matchups the last 10 years, you have at least two players I would consider to be top 10, top 15 recognizable athletes in this country. Most recognizable Mm -hmm. in every single Finals. Mm -hmm. In the NFL, the last 10 years, you'd be lucky to just have one. There's Tom Brady. But then, okay, Peyton Manning's in a Super Bowl in 2015, and then you go back, maybe Eli, maybe Big Ben Roethlisberger, maybe Aaron Rodgers. 
Give, give Patrick Mahomes another year if he stays healthy. Right. That That's a guy who could be the future of it. But, but, but your point's well taken. I mean, it's... And that's what drives the NBA and why the criticism of the finals, I think, is one not founded in much credibility when you consider people saying that no one likes the unpredictability factor. No. Well, we like familiar storylines. We like stars we can relate to. We go to the movie theater for Will Smith. We go to the movie theater for Brad Pitt. And we go for Robert Downey Jr. Not no-name guys we've never heard of. We like familiar characters, familiar storylines. In general, you're right. As a, but as a purist, I can't watch it because I grew up watching the Celtics, the end of their dynasty where they won 11 out of 13, and they ran. And that's the kind of, uh, that's the kind of sports I like. Now I'm gonna, I'll talk out the other side of my head in a minute. I like hockey because of the speed of the game. I like basketball because they run up and down the floor. I don't like the version of the NBA that's been around the last generation. And that might be me, you know, shooing everybody off the lawn. But to me, that's what's exciting about sports is the movement. And so today's NBA, I, I have a hard time watching it. Doris Burke is going to be on the call tonight for Game 3 of the NBA Finals on ABC. Um, I'm partial to the TNT team just because of Marv and Kevin Harlan. Yes. How long they've been around. Intern Aaron has the best Marv Albert impression oh, of I the bunch. Intern Aaron actually presented this to Kevin Harlan about a month ago, and Harlan loved it. Give us your best Marv. Yes! Alpha foul! Beautiful. <laughs> Very nice. Well done. I, I'm partial to the TNT team, but I'm still perplexed how Doris Burke hasn't quite made it to that broadcaster's table yet. How we can have Jessica Mendoza in the ESPN Sunday Night Baseball booth, and she hasn't been doing baseball commentary quite as long as Doris Burke has been a name in basketball would you be surprised? She's the National Sportscaster of the Year this year, the first woman to win that award in the NSMA. She's going to be recognized in a few weeks in Winston-Salem. Would you be surprised if she's eventually calling finals games at the broadcaster's table versus talking to coaches in between quarters? No, not at all. I mean, she knows she knows her stuff. Um, I'm, I'm guessing you'd be asking that question as an analyst, not as a play-by-play person, although... You know, maybe that's the next step, too. Uh, but she knows her stuff, so why shouldn't she be or why couldn't she be um, next to Mike Breen calling, being the analyst on the on the game? It's, it's completely flipped, though, Dave. I remember it was a thing I did on social media five or six years ago. Every time Doris Burke called a game, I would search on Twitter her name, and it would be the most vile stuff you'd ever see. But that flipped at some point. It was right around the time Drake wore a sweatshirt with her face on it that I think now it's become a popular thing. And there's T-shirts out there saying that Doris Burke is the GOAT too. It's it's flipped recently, this this Doris Burke fever, I'll call it, that we've seen in broadcasting of people who watch basketball. Which should answer every question you ever had about Twitter. I mean, it's whatever way the wind blows. If you're the first one on Twitter and you say, I hate Doris Burke. I can't listen to her. She doesn't know what she's talking about. Somebody and then somebody else and somebody else will leap right behind you because it's much more fun to be negative on Twitter than it is to be positive. Uh, The bottom line is she knows her stuff. She communicates well. um, And, you know, 
can, can some people not like her voice? Sure they can, but that's personal taste. I mean, it's personal taste with a lot of people, um, but she's very good at what she does, and to me, that's the bottom line. I want to talk about the Panthers and football a little bit. Dave Gorin's in studio with us on Twitter at Dave underscore Gorin. We're going to welcome in Marcel Louis-Jacques, Carolina Panthers beat reporter, talk about what's going on with the Rock Hill, South Carolina move, also the signing of Gerald McCoy. Marcel. This is the Sports Hub at AM 600, AM 920. Serious talk. Talk, talk, talk. And I like it. Now back to The Drive with Josh Graham. Well, I've been quoted as saying Cam is the best escape artist we have in this league. So now I can watch him do it to other people. Instead of having to do it, Cam is not a small human. And he's not easy to get down. So I'm going to smile on the sideline as other people try and do it. Because I know it's not easy. That's Gerald McCoy, New Carolina Panther. Dave Gorin hanging out with us in studio from the National Sports Media Association and the Wake Forest Sports IMG Sports Network. We're now chatting with Marcel Louis Jacques, Carolina Panthers beat reporter with the Charlotte Observer. As of right now, because Marcel tweeted earlier today that he's going to be joining ESPN's NFL Nation staff as the new Buffalo Bills reporter starting next month. Marcel, the hell! <laughs> uh, you know, I had to play it a little close to the chest, man, or close to the vest. Never did understand which which word you say in that phrase. <laughs> but uh, no, it's uh, it's exciting, you know. Uh, I, I love it in Charlotte. I love living in the Carolinas. Uh, my mom's entire half the family is out here, and uh, I've gotten to reconnect with them over the past few years. But uh, it's uh, it's the next step in a journey, and uh, you know I'm already coat shopping. Uh, Morty's a little disgruntled, but uh, I think we're going to make it. Yes, we've we've gotten to know Morty the dog, and many people have come to love Morty the dog as well. But uh, we just heard the voice of Gerald McCoy, and that's been the talk for the last week and a half in these parts, the idea of him playing on this defense and what that might mean for the Panthers. Just give me a sense, though, for how much better the Panthers are with Gerald McCoy on the roster. I think this helps give them a uh, – it helps give them more pressure. It helps them create more pressure through the interior. Uh, and uh, like he said himself yesterday, in order to beat teams like New Orleans with, with, with Drew Brees there under center, you've got to be able to create more pressure than just on the outside. That's just – that's how uh, that's how defensive – successful defenses are built nowadays. And McCoy's addition gives them three Pro Bowl – interior defensive linemen who can all be on the field at the same time you're not going to be able to double team anybody with those three then bruce Irvin, brian burns mario addison some combination of them uh rushing from the outside so no this is an excellent addition he's somebody who's uh he's a long time a successful player been around the league for about a decade or so and uh you know throwing it into this defense that's trying to reshape its image is uh I mean, it's just a heck of a move from Marty Herney in what's been an underrated offseason for the Panthers GM. Today's news, Marcel, came in South Carolina where David Tepper started making all this stuff that was speculation official when it comes to team pra- or practice fields being built over there, team headquarters 
going to be moved to Rock Hill with the $115 million tax break that was granted last month at around this time. And then on top of that, you're talking about medical facilities too. What do you believe David Tepper's endgame is? We saw the business practice of him pitting two states against each other, South Carolina and North Carolina, to try and land these practice facilities. Do you believe that endgame potentially could be having the states pitted again against each other, this time for a stadium in the next five to ten years? Nah, I, I'd expect the stadium stays where it is in Charlotte. Uh, the only thing, uh, uh, what, what I thought was more was was the most interesting, besides you know the the official signing, was him basically you know, confirming that the team is leaving Spartanburg. Like the he didn't come outright and say and say it because uh, I assume uh, you know that next year is not set in stone quite yet. But when you build a fancy new facility like this, which I'm told the Rock Hill, Rock Hill Mayor believes will be the uh, Disney World of South Carolina, that you can't build that facility and not move training camp there. You can't. You got to use that as often as possible, and uh, so that 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 confirms what a lot of us have been saying over the past several months. But uh, no, I, I would think the stadium stays right where it is. It's established. It's in a good spot. And uh, it's it's a it's not a bad stadium. It could use a little renovating, maybe a little modernizing, but I, I would expect that route before uh, actually moving it over to South Carolina. They got the practice fields, and I think that's about all they're going to get. But the biggest problem, Marcel, is the parking, where you can't really own as much parking if you're David Tepper, and that's obviously another way you can make money. But the, do do you find David Tepper to be talking tongue in cheek when he mentions ideas like? Charlotte hosting a Final Four or him putting a, 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 a some type of a roof on top of Bank of America Stadium. Do you think these are things he's saying in jest or do you believe that can happen and you still keep the stadium there? I mean, it could happen. You saw, you saw the Dolphins basically throw a roof on top of... Um, the Rock. Good Lord, I... Yeah, there it is. Hard Rock Stadium. I know it is the Orange Bowl still. I don't, I don't care if it's not even the same building. <laughs> but uh, you saw, so the, the technology exists, and I think there's somebody on Twitter uh, sent out a couple mock-ups of what it would look like. Uh, it's an interesting behemoth. But, um, no, that's the parking situation is what I'm most curious about. I do believe that they're building a garage across the street from the stadium, but uh Garage parking for a stadium sounds like uh, the worst form of hell. So I can't imagine that's a long-term solution. <laughs> there is the matter of what are they going to do with the area where the practice field currently is. They are building the bubble, and they do have a couple smaller practice fields surrounding the bubble. But it's still a decent-sized lot that once this facility in Rock Hill is complete, you know, what are you doing with the practice field next door to the stadium? So, I mean, it, it seems like it could be a waste of money to bulldoze it and build parking, but I feel like you would make that money back. Parking is the number one money maker in the NFL. So that's something to keep in mind. But, uh, and I don't know, the lack of parking is kind of what gives Panthers games their character. You know, you walk down the street, you walk down Moorhead, you walk down Mint, and you just see people tailgating wherever the heck they can. And I think that's something you don't get everywhere. And it's, uh, like I said, it adds character. It adds a soul to this place. You are listening to The Drive. Marcel Louis-Jacques with us on the Sports Hub on Twitter at Marcel underscore LJ. For now, you can read him as the Panthers beat reporter inside the pages of The Observer and at charlotteobserver.com. Yes, Dave. 
Marcel, Dave Gorin, if you're one of the Panthers players who lives at the lake, aren't you ticked off that you're going to have to go to Rock Hill and fight the traffic to go to practice every day? I mean, I'm not one of the Panthers players. I live in Uptown Charlotte, and I was upset <laughs> at the idea of having to drive to Rock Hill. Well, now he's so, a Bills yeah, reporter. That might be one of the reasons he's going to Buffalo now. <laughs> Easier driving. Blame David Tepper for that. No, but uh, I, I think it's uh, – I, I don't know. It, it, it's a mi- it's kind of a minor inconvenience for them. Uh, I mean, financially it may not be, but traffic and all and all that. Uh, I mean, you are you are getting paid millions of dollars to go play football. I don't think uh, traffic should be, you know, it shouldn't be something you bring up as far as complaints go. Marcel, three quick hitters, three rapid fire type answers that we need here from you. First, an update on Morty. Uh, not thrilled. I uh, can't imagine he thoroughly understands what's about to go down, but uh, he, he he's got a good sense for these things. He hasn't really he hasn't really said much to me all day. It could also be the fact that I accidentally stepped on him. He was laying on the other side of the door. I didn't see him. He's very small. Uh, I've apologized profusely, and uh, it's just falling on deaf ears. But uh, he's he's doing all right. He's asleep right now. Poor Morty the dog. I saw Aladdin last night. It's my favorite Disney movie. I thought it was okay. Satisfactory. I was pleased. I was a happy customer. What's your favorite Disney movie, Marcelo E. Jock? Finding Nemo. What? Finding Nemo. What? Yeah, top tier, league of its own. Can't tell me otherwise. A league of its own. Justify yourself. Top tier. Top tier. First of all, it's funny. It's memorable. It's punchy. It's long-lasting. Uh, it's beautifully animated. The Ocean Water looks better than any other animated film, I think, in history. And this thing came out in, like, 2003. Nah, man. Finding Nemo, final answer. Uh, like, I, I can't even... The conversation starts after. I didn't, I didn't even see Finding Dory, because I can't imagine it, it does anything but disappoint me. You are our hip-hop expert as well. So before we let you go, I don't want this to be our last hip-hop conversation, but give me a song that we should be listening to or an artist we should be catching? Uh, a song you should be listening to? Uh, right now, I've been listening to, uh, I've got Tyler, the Creator's the Earthquake, I guess it's Earthquake with an F, not a T-H, on repeat. But uh, Code of the Friend, man. K-O-T-A, the friend, friend spelled the usual way. One of my favorite artists uh, as of late, man. He's just got this, like, it's this happy Southern California sounding vibe and, uh, like, I, I just accidentally found myself dancing the other time. And in the song, he's talking about, like, said something along the lines of, like, you might find yourself dancing to this. And I'm like, hey, man, here. What do you know? It's like you're in the room. But cut it a friend, man. This is my, that's my dude now. Marcel, I'm very happy for you, my friend. It's good to hear from you. Congratulations on the new gig. We'll be catching up before you get out of here. Appreciate you, Josh. Man, thanks for having me on. You got it. That's Marcel Louis Jock on Twitter at Marcel underscore LJ. Carolina Panthers beat reporter, soon to be a Bills reporter for ESPN. When you look at the issue facing the Panthers right now, potentially with what where they're going to be putting training camp, maybe what you should do with the stadium, it's only an issue if you make it an issue. Do you think there's an end game in mind for David Tepper when you see a stadium that was erected in 1996 that doesn't have great parking around it and you have team headquarters going to South Carolina. An, an opportunity, once again, to benefit you 
pitting two states against each other, North Carolina and South Carolina, to best benefit you? Certainly possible. Um, I think you want to be – I think it benefits the Panthers to be in Charlotte. Um, And, and, you know, I'll I'll laugh when you say stadium built in 1996. It's only 23 years old. I say that. It's not an old stadium. I say that because the Georgia Dome was built in 92. And we're going into the third year of the Mercedes-Benz Stadium. And David Tepper's talked about hosting Super Bowls and hosting Final Fours. And newsflash, you're not getting any of those things accomplished at Bank of America Stadium. It's just not going to happen. Well, that's about that's about more about hotels than it is the stadium and parking. Parking, yes, and no roof. Who needs a roof? Play in the snow in January and February for a Final Four. Sure. You've never played basketball in the snow, Josh. Come on. Let's hear from Gerald McCoy. Gerald McCoy was talking about being vegan. He did that a lot yesterday. Here's what he had to say on that specific topic. This is the newest Carolina Panther. You know, I'm a vegan, and we went to a vegan restaurant, and all those guys showed up, and we walked in, and we're talking for a second, and it just kind of got silent, and uh, two biggest dudes at the table, uh, KK and Trey, was like, man, what's up with this vegan? Like, why are we here? But they were there. Des, since you are the person who we closest classify to being a Panthers fan who was most happy about this news, as a result, because you're so happy about Gerald McCoy signing, would you eat lunch at a vegan restaurant and let us know what you think? Hell no. No, not even out of your love of Gerald McCoy? No. Eat uh-uh. some cauliflower? I might love Gerald McCoy, and I might love Cam Newton, but I love meat more. Well, I'm not saying commit for like a month, but eat lunch at a vegan restaurant. That's like cheating on meat. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not necessarily committing to it, that lifestyle, but I'm, I'm trying something new that I'm not supposed to, and yeah. Meat for me, baby. Got to write that down. It's like cheating on meat. That might be the best quote of the day. I'm gonna bring. I'm gonna bring that up to Gerald McCoy in the fall. Being vegans like cheating on meat. Your response. (laughs) See what he says. Uh, What else? What else do we got on Gerald McCoy? We heard him talking about Cam a short while ago. Oh, he was so polished. He came in. He had a full. uh, He had a full sparkling gray outfit on. He had shoes. Cam would be proud of with the Drip Chronicles and such. He also was very polished in the way that he spoke. I mean, this answer right here is what you just put on every single radio billboard for the broadcast that they have. You might even just put the words that he said here on a billboard to get Panthers fans excited. This is Gerald McCoy on why he chose the Panthers and what they can do now that they're together. The reason I'm here is because I was quoted as saying I wanted to go to a contender. And every ounce of me feels like this team is a true contender, you know, and um, the NFC South champs are the New Orleans Saints, and they're known to have a great offense. And in order to take them out, you got to have a great defense. And Carolina Panthers have been known to have a great defense. And I just want to add to that. And I truly believe uh, with the addition of me and all the pieces that are already here, you got a great shot. Yeah. With the addition of me. I like the swagger. Yes. That's what I'm here for. He's polished. He's a family man. He's going to fit right in. 3X loincloth. Vegan. Vegan. (laughs) That man. He cheats on meat. (laughs) Consumer of of all things vegan and consuming quarterbacks, Gerald McCoy. Dave Gorin in studio with us. We have Take It to the House to get to. You get to hear hear Stan Cotton every single day. 
week during football season. It's good you, good you didn't say Saturday because Wake opens with three straight Friday nights. That's Saturday. right. High school football coaches, I'm sure, love that. Nope. Yes. No. <laughs> That's a yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, no. Yeah, no. But Stan Cotton did us a solid in the Birmingham Bowl last year that we now have as our ticket to the house uh, intro. And Dez, what do you got in our ticket to the house story? I'm not going to really go into what the story is about. Just know that the story starts off with a Florida man. Up. Oh, already got enough info. Say no more. <laughs> Find out what Florida man did next.